0: let's go to the lord in prayer this morning i always like to if you haven't ever heard me preach i like to calm myself before i get um rolling so let's uh, let's pray dear god we just come before you today again lord i'm so grateful for who you are because god you are truly the way maker the miracle maker god you are that is who you are you're our great father you're our great king and so god we just surrender this message to you today i surrender the words to you Lord, whatever is true, uh, God, may they just uh, be sealed up in our hearts, whatever is false, let it fall by the wayside. And Lord, ultimately, may your name be glorified here today. We are so grateful for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Matt kicked off a series last week called Gods. Called Gods. And we're going to continue that series today, but I want to start a little bit differently than I normally do. I want to start with the question, and I want you to to think about it. I don't want you to answer it. I just want you to think about it. Uh, two questions actually. But w- the first one is, how old were you when you realized that God is in control of your money? All right? How old were you when you realized that God was in control of your money? And then the second one is, what was your defining moment of trust? That defining moment of trust in God's kingdom principles in relationship to money? All right. What was that defining moment? And here's, here's the unfortunate part in most people's lives, and And in the average churchgoer's life, as most Christians cannot answer that question, they haven't had a defining moment. They don't trust God with their money. They don't trust God with his promises. In fact, in the world that we're living in today, a lot of people don't even trust that God is a good God. And when we we start with that premise, we have a really difficult time surrendering our money to him because we don't even trust he's going to do anything uh, to protect us anyways. And so the last thing we're going to do is honor him and worship him with our money. And so that's a big problem. That's a big problem because that's not God's kingdom. That's not his principles. And so what I want to be able to do today is help us look at what are those, what are those things that we can do to inspire you? And I mean we, me, the, the church. What could we as the church do, the pastors of the church, do to inspire you to trust God at his word with his, with his principles? You see, my defining moment, I'll start with a story. I was about 11 years old, Um, and I had a defining moment with God in my my future money. I didn't have much then. In fact, my family didn't either. Uh, But some of you have heard me preach about my dad or talk about my dad in different sermons. Uh, Outside of being a much more intense version than myself, some of you might not believe that. It's possible. Uh, Outside of that, he was also an incredible man of faith. In fact, my mom is a wonderful woman of faith as well. So I've been blessed with the, the heritage that was given to me. But my dad didn't become a Christian until he was in his late 30s. Um, And then when he had us, uh, he was on his road to being a, whatever he did, he did it with great intensity and his faith was not uh, to be questioned with that either. So I have been given an incredibly godly heritage, but we weren't blessed with a lot of money growing up. In fact, the story, uh, when I was 11 years old, you'll see why we didn't have a lot of money, but it is where I learned not only to trust my dad's understanding of who God is, but it brought me into an understanding of my heavenly father's control over our finances, so my mom and dad—they were never really yellers or screamers. They didn't—they didn't—they argued, but it was—if they did, they'd always go into the room and close the door just so we didn't hear, you know. Uh, and even then, we had to put our ears up against the door or over the vent so you could hear, so you know. All right, none of you guys said that. All right, we always wanted to know what are mom and dad arguing about, right? And so this one particular day, the the heated debate was happening in the living room. Totally unlike my parents. Um, so I was in the hallway in and, and this little hallway. We had the hallway in the room and then there's a bookshelf right there and they were in the living room so I, st- I snuck down behind the bookshelf. They didn't know I was there and I was listening. And This particular day, um, as we didn't have much money, um, this particular day we didn't have any at all. Uh, my dad was dying of cancer and he was going in and out of treatments uh, all the time. Um, and so all of our money, if you've ever been through a loved one who's going through that, you know how much money goes to the medical bills. Uh, and we didn't have a lot to start with. And so what we did have was going to the medical bills. And mom needed money for groceries that day. And, and she was telling dad that we needed groceries and they didn't have it. And you know, you guys have had financial concerns in your marriages. Maybe, maybe you haven't. God bless you if you haven't. But if you have, you know that sometimes it can get a little bit frustrating. Well, in this conversation, my dad just stopped the conversation. He goes, her name is Phyllis. My mom's name is Phyllis. Phyllis, we're just going to trust God. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know where it's going to come from, but we're going to tr- pray and trust that God's going to give us what we need. So I'm, I'm 11 years old around the bookshelf listening to all this. They have no idea I'm there. If they would have, they would have told me to go to my room or they would have gone somewhere different. So I, that's why I know they didn't know I was there. And so as they prayed, literally, they open their eyes and they're looking at each other and the doorbell rings. I got through this a lot easier in my uh, <clears throat> good grief. So they pray, they get done praying, and the doorbell rings. My dad goes to the door, and there's Mrs. Wyrick. Her and her husband run the gospel barn right down the street, right down the road. Um, in fact, my good friend uh, now, he still runs the gospel barn. So he, there, She stands at the door, and she goes, I don't know why, but I was just driving by your house, and God prompted me to turn around and come back. She says, here. She gave my parents' money, I don't know how much, gave them the money, and she said, I'd love to stay and chat, but I can't, I don't have time, I'm on my way to tell them, but here it is. She turned around and left and walked out the door. Eleven years old, you see, I know what my parents did. We tithed every single day. My parents, my dad would, they made us tithe off of our allowance, all right? So if we made 25 cents, we had to give two pennies, Right. All right? So we had, to, we had to tithe, but I knew my parents' tithe too. They gave their offering every week. It was like, it just was what we did. I, until I became a pastor, I thought every Christian gave their tithes after I became a pastor. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> it's not how Christians work, all right? So, um, but I, I thought that's how it was because it's how I grew up. And so that morning, that day, I don't even know what time of day it was, that moment was when I knew it doesn't matter your socioeconomic background. It doesn't matter where you're at. If God says that he's going to do something, you can trust him with it. And I learned in that moment, was my defining moment, I can trust God with my money. You see, I've been reading the Bible again because I thought all Christians read their Bible, because my parents did. And so I thought everybody, and I'd been reading my Bible since I was just a little kid. And I knew this story, and this is one of my favorite stories in the scriptures about Jesus and how he provides for us. So then turning to his disciples, he said, and that's why I tell you not to worry. Right? This, this came alive to me in that moment. That's why I tell you not to worry. Not to worry about your everyday life, whether you will have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. You." Every single one of you in this room, all of you watching online, every single one of us here today is more valuable to him than any bird. More valuable than any bird. Keep going. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Keep going. Look at the lilies how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, he was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if you don't know anything about Solomon, he was the richest man in the world. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that aren't here today, and then they're just thrown into the fire tomorrow, again, all of us in this room and all of us watching online and everybody in the world that would choose to follow the name of Jesus, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Why do you not trust him at his word? Keep going. And don't be concerned about what to eat, where you're going to get your money for your groceries. Don't be worried about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. They dominate the thoughts of just about every human. And God says, don't worry about them. Your father in heaven already knows your needs. Your dad, your father knows what you need. Keep going. No instead. Seek the kingdom first. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need so don't be afraid little flock don't be afraid no matter where you're at no matter what's happening in your life i don't know what it is i don't know what burdens you brought in i don't know what's happening in your family your extended family's life but i know this don't be afraid little flock don't be afraid church for it gives your dad it gives your father in heaven great happiness or great joy to give you the kingdom great happiness to give you the kingdom I don't know, folks, but I don't think a lot of people understand how much that really is, what, what that really means. And I'm going to go on about that in a little bit. I'm actually going to try and get through it, because if I cried about that other story, good Lord, I can't imagine what's going to happen when I give my next illustration. But this, this happiness that God has is paramount to us learning to trust him. Keep going. Sell your possessions. Give to those in need. This this action of selling what you have and giving it away, it will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven will never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Keep going. Wherever your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, wherever my treasure is, there, the desires of your heart will be also. Mm. Man, that verse, that passage, 11 years old, defining moment. Came alive. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know. Maybe you don't come in here with the good, godly heritage. Maybe you don't have parents that you would ever point to as saying, Man, they love me the way the Lord loved me. And that's a burden to me. That, that really does. It breaks my heart because God is such a good God. He is such an incredible father he has so much in store for us but when we when we have our world tainted down here it taints our world of our picture of his world above as well and so i get that but i just want to use today as an opportunity to maybe inspire you that you can begin to trust your heavenly father because it's imperative that we trust his heart go to the next slide if you would Understanding and trusting His kingdom principles is the only way you're ever going to trust Him with what you think is your money. But as Matt said last week, it's all God's anyways. It's an illusion if you think it's yours. But our Father in Heaven has great joy in giving us His kingdom. Now I get this more than ever before as a dad. The older I get and the longer I'm a dad, the more and more I understand this. And this is where I'm. Gonna, I didn't cry when I prepared this. All right, so I'm going to try and get through this. Um, and I think I will. Uh, but my second daughter is getting married next, uh, next week, next Saturday. Woo! Awesome, yes, exactly. I'm excited. Super excited. Incredible young man. My daughters make great decisions. But this idea of understanding how a father loves their children has become exceedingly real to me when I walk him down the aisle. Nope. <laughs> We're going to get it out of the way. We're going to get it out of the way before I do it next week, too. All right, here we go. Because I have uh, intentionally and wholeheartedly raised my daughters in a home. I only have three girls. I don't have any boys, so I say my daughters. We have lived our life in such a way that we have poured out our family values for our children. With, we have prayed and fasted and done everything that we can To build that kingdom of our home, and it's not my kingdom, but for the point of the illustration, that's what I'm calling it, only to give them away and trust that another man is going to take care of her the way I do. Now, they picked really good men. But this passage, when our Father says that He has good things for us, and it gives Him great joy. I've had to work on one of my son in laws to help him learn how to receive good things. I want them to know how much it just gives me great joy to give them good things. And that's our Father. I don't know what you come in here with, but if me, Pion Donnie Gentry in the world of 2022 knows how to do that because of how good his heavenly father is, he has the same thing for you. Well, I'm not blessed and set apart because I'm somehow different than every single person in this room. These promises are yours. He will I want them to come alive in your life. I want you to have that defining moment. I don't want the defining moment. I already have it. I don't need it anymore. God moves me to tears every time I think about him. I want you to be moved by the awe-inspiring love and provision of your heavenly father. You see, because Matt kicked this off last week saying that everything is God's. Everything is God's. There isn't a single thing that we own that is ours. It's not ours to own. It was a fantastic week. I don't know if you were here. If you weren't here, it set the foundation for what we're talking about this week. All right? Because if you weren't here and you don't like where I end up, because we're going to talk about your money, if you don't like where I end up, you got to go back and listen to the foundational message because everything we have, it's all God's, anyways. My girls, they aren't even mine. I had to give them to God a long time ago. Why? Because they weren't mine to start with are all gods. Everything we own is gods. We get to be a part of this process with gods. I love how Matt said it last week about how what everything is. Everything we have is gods. Everything we have is ours to manage or to steward this whole idea of stewardship versus ownership. Everything we have is ours to steward and enjoy as we bless others. As we bless others we want to bless others with what we have we should want to he went on and talked about what the difference was between stewardship and ownership and what that should look like in the believer's life and how it's not ours to even own in the first place he talked about uh how how we how it should affect not just our money but our time and if you weren't here go back and listen to it i just i don't have enough time to share with you like how awesome it was but If you haven't been, if you haven't had the opportunity to to have these things modeled in your life, if you don't know what it's like to have godly examples pour out in your life, then I get and understand why you might be a little resistant to trust what we're talking about in this sermon series. I do. But I do want you to understand. And we hope that by the end, we're going to go over, we have another series or another sermon in the series next week. But by the end, we hope that by the time you hear all three sermon series or three sermons, that you'll be able to trust God's heart. Go ahead and to the next slide. We hope that you'll be able to trust that God, that God will always follow through with his part if you do your part. All right? No matter what it is, we trust that you will be able to. This microphone is driving me up a wall. Sorry, hopefully that'll stop pulling off my head. All right. We trust and hope that you'll be able to trust that God's going to follow through with his part if you do your part. Now I say if you do your part because there is, as you're going to see in a moment, there's a responsibility on our part, especially with our money. But Matt shared the the theme verse this week or last week, and it's still our theme verse for the series. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible. How impossible is mere humans to understand his decisions and his ways? For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who of us is smart enough to know God's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? I loved Matt's illustration on that one last week. You should go watch it. It's funny. And who has given him so much? Here comes that money again. Who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? Who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything, everything comes from him and exists by him. Go ahead to the next slide. Everything comes from him and exists by him and is intended for his glory. Everything we have is intended for his glory. Everything that he allows you to steward, everything that he has given to you in your home is for you to point to his glory, to give him honor, to give him praise. That is what he's here. That is what he has done for us. And this can preach. It doesn't matter what country you live in. This message will preach because it's not based upon your income, it's based upon your heart. It's based upon. Your understanding of who God is is based upon you surrendering to His kingdom principles because everything that we have, everything that we have, everything that we can touch is God's. It's God's, everything our cars, our, our health, everything is God's. It's just everything that we do in this body while we're down, we're down here should point back to glorifying His name. You see, God's kingdom. In case you are unaware, and we're gonna go through a passage that kind of identifies this, but God's kingdom is fear-free, okay? It's full of provision. It's full of our Father's joy. I just read that passage. It's operated differently than ours. I don't know about, who can understand it, remember? Who can understand this kingdom? It's driven by what we give. It's not driven by what we accumulate. Totally different than the American dream. Gosh, I hate the American dream sometimes. Is driven by what we give, not by what we get. I could care less about your retirement account. I really could. What I do care about is is your retirement account devoted to God? I care desperately about that. Or is it just about making you as comfortable as you possibly can be? About making you feel good because your security is wrapped up in your money, not in your God. Actually, that would be your God. You see, our money has a way of. Just getting us all mixed up in our thinking. You see, God's kingdom is guided by the posture of our heart. Not the thickness of our wallet. Our heart. You see, the beautiful thing about God is he knows exactly what's happening inside of us. He knows why we do the things we do. He doesn't have to guess. You can fool us all. You can fool your spouse. In fact, you can even fool yourself. But God isn't, God isn't tricked by the outward appearance of things. He knows exactly what's driving you. You see, let me show you another passage. This is one of my other favorite passages when I think about money in the New Testament. Second Corinthians nine, verse six is where it starts. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. All right? Those that went out and got manna, they were only given enough for the next day. Those that only had enough, they only have, you only ever have enough. Whoever sows generously will reap generously." Keep going. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion. If you are getting guilted by any way this morning, that is of the devil. If you're getting convicted, it's of the Holy Spirit. If you're getting guilted, it's of the devil. We aren't even gonna take up an offering after this, All right. so don't even think I'm going there. I just, I just want you to know, if you're getting convicted by something, then let the Holy Spirit work. If you're being guilted, just shut the devil up, all right? We, we shouldn't give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Mrs. Wyrick was glad to stop and turn around and give it. I don't even know if my mom and dad told her what was going on that day. Keep going. And God is able to bless you abundantly. God is able. Why? Because it's his to start with. So that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. You will abound. Not the pastors, not those super religious people that go to church every Sunday. You. All of this. This is God's kingdom. This is available to all of us. Keep going. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Keep going. Now, he who supplies the seed, listen, all right, because this is important. We got to get who supplies the seed. He who supplies the seed to the sower, all right, remember those two words. One is a seed, one of us is a sower. God's the one that provides the seed, we do the sowing. Remember that. And bread for food will also supply and increase the store of seed, all right? That's the ability for you to do more good works. And he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He will increase the store and he will increase the storage unit so that your harvest is abundant. Hmm. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. It's about generosity. It's a posture of the heart. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing In many expressions to thanks to God. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. Is there one more verse, I think? Or is that it? It goes to the expression of giving thanks to God. Is that what your, is that what your, I thought there was one more verse. There's one more verse. Keep going. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God. You see, what happens a lot of times as Christians, we try to keep everything a secret. Okay? I'm not telling you to tell everybody how much you give, but if you know these principles come to life in your giving, and we have some very generous people in this church, thank the Lord. If you know these principles are true, tell to people that God's word is true. We take one other passage where it says, don't tell your left hand what your right hand is doing, and we take it out of context, and we never tell anybody how to do anything with their money, and we certainly don't tell people about how good God is when we do give it away. But here's the cool thing. How can people praise God if we don't ever tell them? Okay. Again, you don't have to tell them now. I get it. But let them know that these principles are true, that God is faithful. I know there's several up here that could, that could preach a sermon on it. I Trust me, I know. I handle the, the money. You guys are generous. And then others maybe not. But that's okay. Because that's, it's all part of the process. It's all part of us learning to trust that our dad is real, like he's actually going to do what he says. It's a part of our trust in him. So when we do this, when we understand these passages, it's important for us to understand that that our giving, the way we steward God's money, it proves your heart's posture. It it proves to God where your heart is. In fact, if, if you would, I'm not asking you to do this, but if you gave me your bank account, I can tell you where your heart is. If you let me have access to your bank account, I can tell you exactly where your heart is. I can tell you exactly where your trust is. Why? Cuz the Bible said that where your treasure is, is there your heart's going to be. So I can tell you. Why? Cuz God's pretty accurate about what he says. That's why. Now, I'm not going to ask to do that. I want you to do that. I want you to check where your heart is at. I want you to test and approve where your heart is at. Do you trust God? It's not mine to know. This is between you and God, not between you and me. You see, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Old Testament, uh, everybody, not everybody, um, most people that have gone to church their, during their life have heard the word the tithe, right? The tithe is 10%. I don't know if you know this or not, but the tithe that was given was actually strictly given for the pastors that led the synagogues, the priests that led the synagogues, equivalent to the pastor. All right, 10%. If we, if we gave 10% and if we give 10%, we think we're doing pretty good. But the average Jew, even in the New Testament times, gave over 23% of their income. Do you know what the average evangelical Christian gives in America? Evangelical Christian. I'm not talking about the, the fringe groups. All right? We're talking about if you don't like evangelical terminology to separate Christianity, talk to Barna. He's the one that did the stat. All right. So The average evangelical Christian, you know how much they give? Any guesses? How much? 40%? No. Oh, 4%. To 1.5. 1.5%. The average Christian. 1.5. Boy, we're we're generous. (laughs) And give that little token back to God. And we expect him to provide for us. And I don't know what's happened over the millennia, other than the fact that maybe we just don't think God is good. Maybe we don't think that it's maybe we think that He put us in Huntersville, North Carolina, because the economy's rocking. And daggum it, if I'm not a good enough person that I should just be blessed. Man, I think that's what Western Christians think. Because it's it's how we spend a lot of our money. God didn't give us money so that we could hoard it. He gave it so that we could bless others. And this is a tough lesson because, oh, oh, darling, you don't understand. Oh, I do. I do. I got money too. But remember, I had a defining moment when I was 11. I just want you to have yours. You see, because church, God provides the seed. God controls the harvest. Now I don't know if you grew up in a farming community, but I did. In fact, uh, if you listened to Matt's message last week, he talked about the difference between the poverty mindset and the and the prosperity mindset gospel. I grew up in a domini- denomination that was very much driven by the poverty mindset. All right, uh, I grew up in a very rural, poor community. Um, definitely, never even knew money until I came to North Carolina, and that was only eight years ago. All right, so God provides the seed. So I know this. I know this works regardless of your socioeconomic background or your demographic. Right? He provides a seed. But if you're not from an agrarian society, all right, he grants us everything that happens between the seed and the harvest. And if you don't grow up planting a garden or planting, being a farmer, he grants us, you, me, the opportunity to farm, plow, plant, and water his fields. And therein comes the stewardship. Therein comes what we can control when it comes down to the money that he's allowed us to steward now during this process of farming planting plowing watering we can do that either grudgingly or willingly we can do it full of trust or full of doubt we can do it in fear or we can do it in faith it's really up to you no one can tell you how to do that it isn't about abundance it's about having enough it isn't about prosperity it's about god's provision all right but he also promises in the midst of us farming the way that he tells us to farm in his kingdom, all right, we're still under his kingdom, if we farm the way he tells us to farm, then he says that he is going to provide more than we can possibly even store. Why? Because he trusts us with the seed that he's giving us. And there are so many different passages out there because Jesus taught about money more than any other topic. I don't know if you know that or not, he, he taught about money more than, he had more parables on money than any other parable, all right? This next passage I want to read comes out of the Old Testament, and the reason why I want to show you an Old Testament passage this morning is because Christ is the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. So if you ever read the Old Testament, you're wondering, man, that was a bunch of really messed up people, uh, yeah, because they were a reflection of us, and there were a lot of curses and a lot of, a lot of hardships brought down on God's people in the Old Testament to show us why we needed Jesus, all right? The world is losing People are questioning Christians right now, if God were so good, why is the world a? God didn't do this to the world. We did it to the world. We're living outside of his kingdom. That's why we need to point people to the goodness of God. The mess up in the world isn't God's fault. We love to blame God for the mess, but we never we never ask him for the solution. He already gave us the solution. We just don't like it, all right? And so Cursed is the cheat. I love how this passage in Malachi, Jesus is the answer to this. All right? He released us from the curse, but cursed is the cheat. Be glad you didn't live in the Old Testament times and didn't give your offerings. Cursed is the cheat who has a, an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it. His heart. He vowed to give it in his heart, but then sacrifices the blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says God. And my name is to be feared among the nations. Wow. Keep going and then the whole the whole passage of malachi talks about money all right so if you haven't read it uh he even curses pastors or the priests that they he wishes that priests would have closed the doors of the temple because they allowed this to go on but anyways will a mere mortal rob god yet you rob me is what the great king was telling the old testament people but you ask how are we robbing you he says in tithes and offerings we don't even give the tithe we haven't even gotten to the offerings you are under a curse you're a whole nation because you are robbing me keep going bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house test me in this folks this is the only time in all of scripture that god ever tells us to test Him. the only time and he tells us to test Him. he invites us to test Him. says the lord almighty see if i will not throw open the floodgates here comes that kingdom principle again where you will have enough There will be more than enough. He will enlarge your harvest. He'll enlarge the storeroom for the seed, but you still have to do the work. You still have to bring it into the store, into the, uh, the, the church or to others. Give it away. So open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. This is that kingdom principle that God promised even in the New Testament. Do we live like this? You see, Jesus was the fulfillment of all of this. But we have to trust that God's actually going to do what he says he's going to do. It all comes down to, do you believe it? Because watch what happens. In the realm of farming, I don't know if you've ever farmed, but uh, if if we understand what it is, he's going to build it so much that there is enough room to store it. Because why? Because in his kingdom, he provides a protective covering over it. All right, watch this next path. Oh, i you that. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. You ever had stuff where you're just like, I don't understand. Every time, I just never have enough. I'm just constantly paying bills. My house breaks down. My car breaks down. This goes out. Every time I try to get ahead, check your giving. Because trust me, I've had, I don't know if you've seen the cars we drive, but they're old. <laughs> All right? And God puts a protective covering over them. All right? I'm, I'm convinced. Like, some of them, I don't know. Like, there's so many problems wrong with our cars right now. I'm like, I, tr- I trust God. You trust our girls to drive. I'm like, I trust God with my girls, Yes. I do, because I'm not paying those stupid dealership prices or the insurance rates. (laughs) Why? Because it's God's money. I don't need to pay them. I'm keeping that for vacation. All right. (laughs) I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. I'm going to live like he actually says. He does. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before they're ripe, says the Lord. This is kingdom principle. If you do what I say, I will protect you. But we get, we get all messed up when we try to do it our way, when we try to walk outside of his kingdom. That's why he says he's a jealous God. He, he gets great happiness in giving us this and in, in letting these things become real to us. You see, the Old Testament just comes to life when we start reading it this way. Jesus, Jesus dropped the curse, but the kingdom principles are still there. When we do this, all the nations will call you blessed. When people start seeing this happen in your lives, go ahead and go to. They'll they'll call you blessed. Your your friends will begin to see. Oh, why do your cars never break down? Why do you seem to always be able to do those things? Why do you always blah blah blah? Because God takes care of us, folks. I didn't even know I was poor. I went to the our accountant tax accountant up in Michigan, and I had a boat. I thought I was doing great. I went to the tax accountant, and I said, it's tough being middle class. I made 30000 a year. She goes, Donnie, you're not middle class. I'm like, huh? <laughs> what do you mean I'm not middle class? She goes, you live under the poverty rate in, the, in America. I'm like, I do? I didn't even know. I had no idea, because I had enough. I always had enough. I could be generous, and I had a boat. What more do you need? (laughs) God always provides. I had no idea how poor I was. Because I I always had food on the table. A a roof over our head. But he does the same for you. And others will call you blessed. I had to hide my boat because everybody thought I was rich. (laughs) Seriously. I had to dock it up on a lake in the next county not lying <laughs> god blesses you when you're generous it's just his economy but you have to have your own defining moment so that's where i want to end this today christ invites you to be a part of his kingdom he does he's inviting you to live in his kingdom he invites you to be able to come into a new understanding of how he will take care of you and your finances in your home I'm not going to say it's always easy. I, and trust me, I've had plenty of lessons I've learned along the way where I was a complete idiot. Now, God always provided, but he let me learn some tough lessons. Why? Because the way we farm matters to him, too. He provides the seed. He provides the blessing and the harvest. But he gives us guiding principles in the farming process. So we need to go to the Word to understand that as well. But that starts, that starts with you experiencing your own defining moment with God? Okay, will you? Go to the next slide. Will you experience your own defining moment with your heavenly, trustworthy dad? Regardless of what you learn from your parents down here, will will you give God a chance for this to come alive in your life in a way that you've never experienced before? That's my greatest joy. That's what I would hope would happen in your life. Not for us, not for journey. I don't really care. Like I said, I'm not going to give you a challenge, but I'm not going to pass the plate today. The question that you've got to ask yourself when you're doing this, when you think about your heavenly dad, your great king, another question I want you to ask is, are you giving your great king your leftovers? Are we like Malachi, where we say we'll do one thing, but we give him the blemished goat instead? We give him the leftover 20 out of the 2,000? We give him the leftover out of the 10,000? I don't know. It's your, money. it's your money to steward, not mine. But there are guiding questions that we can ask ourselves on how we're supposed to farm down here. It's up to you whether or not you want to trust God with it. So I'm going, to go, I'm going to challenge you with two challenges as you go home today. Okay, Two challenges. Pretty simple. First one is pray. Pray and ask God how much does he want you to give. Ask God. Don't ask me. He says be generous. All right? I don't know how much you're able to be generous with. Look at what he says and look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians. Each of you should decide and should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Just go home and pray. Ask God. That's the number one thing to do. So that's my challenge right there. For number one, go home and pray. Number two, start giving. <laughs> After you pray, start giving. If you're already giving, then let this be an encouragement to how God, you can tell the story of how God has provided and lavished his love upon you, all right? We have several people in our church that could tell you the amazing provision of God in this process. Test God and start giving. 2 Corinthians 8, 8, 11 through 12 says this. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means, all right? Don't look at your neighbor's garden, don't look at your neighbor's field. Don't look at what you think your neighbors have in their bank account. You are not giving based upon their bank account. All right? God's not going to hold you accountable for how much you give in relationship to your neighbor. All right? That's between them and God. Give according to your means, according to the scriptures. For if the willingness is there, again, our, hot, our heart posture, if the willingness is there, then the gift is acceptable according to what? one has you can't give more than you have i mean you can but i've tried that too that's one of the hard lessons i learned all right i got in debt because i gave away too much money that was really a dumb choice that's not what god's asking okay now the heart was good so god covered for me and he provided a difficult way out but it was he i had to learn that lesson i wasn't just supposed to give away what i don't even have We can sell what we have and give it away, but we don't give away what isn't even ours to start with. The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So go home and pray. And then once you pray and God convicts you, and it might be a little ouchy, do it anyways. The ouchier it is, the more praise you're going to be able to give them. I can tell you that. I'll promise you that. The more it hurts, the more you're going to be able to see God do amazing things. Because why? Because everything is his anyways. And his kingdom principles, it's his delight to replace it and to replenish it. Because he knows he can trust you with it. So, that's a challenge. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to pass the plate. We're going to challenge you to go ahead and go home and ask yourself, God, what is it that you want me to give? But I want you to, I want you to go home with this in mind. Give God the opportunity to be glorified by your generosity give god the opportunity to be glorified by your generosity let's pray dear god you are an awesome god you go so far above and beyond anything that we could possibly even think or imagine but god we all come in here with different levels of trust different levels of awareness different backgrounds different beliefs God, some of us, our our spouses won't even agree with us on this. So God, in the midst of that, God, I pray that you will just just give your church wisdom to be able to know how they're to honor you with their giving. Lord, I pray that you give them opportunity to be able to bring glory and honor and praise to your name because of your amazing, magnificent provision. God, that you would be able to help them realize the promises that we have just talked about and we are continuing to talk about. God, I pray that they will just, that we will all continue to walk in the provision of your kingdom to be able to understand that you are a great God, a great dad who takes great joy in giving us your kingdom. Lord, may we have great joy. May we be cheerful about what it is that we get to give back in honor of your name, that we get to steward in honor of your name, that we get to be a part of in honor of your name. God, just just encourage us today that this is an opportunity to be able to show you how much we love you and how grateful we are and how much we trust you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.